0: This is Christian
1: Questions.
2: Victor Frankl once said, When we can no longer change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a
3: different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, All in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen and then you talk and we listen. You can contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And folks, we are truly
2: glad you've chosen to spend some time with us on this fine spring Sunday morning. Good morning, Jonathan. What's happening? Good morning, Rick. Uh, Well... We have a new subject this morning. Well, that's something happening. That is. That's a that's a typical Sunday morning happening.
3: Yes, and our question this morning is, so, how do you make decisions? And our theme text is found in James chapter 1 verse 19. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. So, it's about making decisions. And here's the thing. We
2: all make decisions. All the time. Some are big and significant, life altering choices, and others, most others, are small, often unnoticed, and even insignificant. What most influences our decisions? Is it reason? Is it emotion? Is it expediency? What about laziness versus discipline? Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, a good I, I vote for that <laughs> one. <laughs> Can we make better decisions? If so, how do you do it well folks stay with us we 've got some very interesting, especially scriptural perspectives on decision making and, and and Jonathan before we get started with the subject overall you know one of the things that always impressed impresses me is the fact that whatever question you have there are scriptural principles that can answer the question sure and you just have to apply them to where you are in life and and, and, and the, 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 the the kind of situation you 're in but there are scriptural principles that always come to the surface if you look for them. Mm-hmm. Sure. So that is something that we're very uh, very grateful for, and we're going to be doing that uh, this morning. Uh, we do want to uh, just um, welcome in our audience from the Big 550 KTRS. This is our second week broadcasting there in St. Louis, Missouri. We are glad to have you folks with us uh, and enjoy the responses we've been getting from you, so keep that up. Let's get started with decision-making. Actually, the secrets for great decision-making may lay... Right there in our theme text and in the following soundbite. So we're going to give you all the answers, like, pretty much right up front. All right. Okay. Uh, this first soundbite is going to be, you're going to be listening to Victor Emil Frankel. Now, he is a Holocaust survivor. He lived from March 26, uh, 1905 to September second, nineteen 1997. Uh Holocaust survivor, uh, a... Um, a psychologist, understands human nature in a very, very, very dramatic way. You're not going to be hearing him speak in this particular soundbite, but he's going to be quoted by Jim uh, McLennan, who is actually a tennis coach. You think, well, tennis coach, decision-making, what are you doing? Just listen.
4: But there's another branch of this attitude, and it comes from something called logotherapy and a book written by Viktor Frankl called Man's Search for Meaning. And I'll read his quote Because I want to get it just right. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom.
2: That is a very, very, very significant... That's a profound quote. It talks about a space between the stimulus and response in any circumstance. And that's the space... Where your your growth and freedom lie.
3: Because in that instant, you're going to make a decision what right. you're going to
2: do. And that's the point. Ah. That's where the decision making comes into play. So there's a process. First, there's some kind of stimulus, some kind of input that evokes response with multiple possibilities. And between... Uh, these two events, there is space, perhaps a small space, but a space nevertheless, because sometimes it's almost instantaneous. Yes. Okay. Uh, in this space really lies our destiny. So, and that sounds pretty dramatic. Dun, dun, dun. dun there lies your destiny. Vanilla or chocolate? Which do I choose? <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. Okay. So, so, the theme scripture, the theme scripture in James and its context actually teach us about this Space, So, you know, you get this from a, a philosophical standpoint, but it's backed up by
3: vanilla or chocolate. I <laughs> James 1. Let's look at James 1, 16 to 22. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or a shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, So that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. This you know, my beloved brethren. But everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of a man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves.
2: So there's a lot in these verses. We're going to actually take them apart as we go through the the program here this morning, folks. So again, stay with us for that. If you do have a thought uh, about decision-making and what what provokes your decisions or observations on you know how to make a good decision, give us a call at 866-985-4255. That's toll-free, 866-985-4255. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9
3: Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. And we want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page. Go to our blog at ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan,
2: let's actually go to a soundbite from Viktor Frankl. This is him giving a, a, a speech, obviously, several years ago. Uh, and he's talking about finding meaning in difficult times. And specifically in this particular soundbite, talking about the power of decision.
1: Dr. Frankel, what is the difference between people who are able to pick themselves up, get over life's problems, and those who are not? The decisive factor is decision, the freedom. Of choice, the freedom to come up with a decision. It should be I would like to become this way or another in spite of conditions that should only seem to fully determine my behavior. I wish to act freely as a responsible being a, which is a human being. I wish to act in accord with heredity and environment using owing what I become to them but also if need be in spite of the worst conditions.
2: So he's talking about being able to make decisions in spite of conditions, not because of them. Wow. And and he's a guy who would understand that. Oh, for sure. When you're living through the concentration camp experience as he did, he understands being able to make a decision in spite of your circumstances. Because there was no good circumstance in those years that he was there ever. No, there wasn't. And yet there were some people who came through that that kind of experience uh, with growth. Most people didn't because it was just so so ominous and so over overwhelming, but there were a few who, and he was one who came through with growth and 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 goodness that he could share with the rest of the world. So very very inspiring example uh, from Viktor Frankl about making decisions in spite of your conditions. Now now let's get to James uh, chapter one verse nineteen. This was our our theme scripture. Let's read it again, Jonathan, because here begins the process of understanding
3: how to make a good decision. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger.
2: Okay, so it talks about quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We're going to take these things in pieces because I think these give us the principles of really, really good decision
3: making. So the first point is to be quick to hear. Be alert and focused to truly understand the stimulus. Okay, be quick to hear. Okay,
2: great. Quick to hear what? What?
3: Uh, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. <laughs> That's you right. you repeat that, please? You're still thinking
2: about chocolate versus <laughs> vanilla. I know you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, let's let's give an example of being quick to hear because if you don't qualify what you're supposed to be listening to, what you're going to hear is all of the noise of life. And once the noise of life gets in the way of the things that are most important, your decision-making is going to be, be faulty. Yeah, you're right. Because you're listening to noise rather than pearls of wisdom, if you will. So let's go back to Genesis 3, verses 1 through 6. And we go back to this example Continually. We do. And it's in the Garden of Eden. It's Eve making a bad decision. Let's focus on the principle of okay, what is it that she listened to
3: in this circumstance? So, Genesis 3 1 to 6. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Okay, so
2: Satan begins his communication. With a piece of God's command, he's he's kind of quoting a little bit of what she already knows to be true, and that's easy for Eve to hear because you know Satan is is is, is referring back to the big guy, I sure. Mean, so sure. he's he's referring back, but he kind of only quotes part of a command here. That's right. <laughs> no, she's nodding, saying, "Yeah, that's correct. Right. That's yeah. right." Well, she says now, and
3: and so now she's going to give her a response. Right. The woman said to the serpent, "From the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat." But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die.
2: Okay, so she says, Well, you know what? We can eat from all of the garden except for the, the tree in the, in the middle of the garden. She picks up on God's command. Uh, and, you know, it's basically easy to be in line because there's nothing strange being represented here. Yes. Right, (laughs) yeah, he's setting her up. He is. But notice now she's listening, Mm -hmm. and she has no reason not to listen at this point because she doesn't know what's coming. Right. So she's listening, and she's responding, and everything is exactly still
3: still in line. Okay, let's continue. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die.
2: Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. Danger, danger.
3: <laughs> for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So now Satan gives Eve new information to listen
2: to. See, now here's the thing. Uh-oh. Is, and, and when you come to a decision-making process, is the new information valuable or is it noise? Mm. And so for Eve, she took it Again, because she had never, we don't know that she ever had an experience of anybody trying to deceive her before this. Right. So, you know, you're, 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 you're giving it consideration, but it's contradictory. Oh, it is. And that's where you have to figure out, okay, if is it noise or is it, is it valuable wisdom? If it contradicts what
3: God had said, uh, there, there should be some, some warning here. But what happens? When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. So Eve pauses and considers the new information
2: with her desires to make a decision. So she uh, she she considers the new information in line with her own desires because that new information now gets her to look at this tree a little bit differently and oh, says... Definitely. Oh, wait a minute. So there's not a penalty, and it's looking pretty good. And I'm going to be smart. It's looking like chocolate and vanilla. You don't even have... It's like, it's looking like, I want this. And so what happens is she hears. She's quick to hear. But what was it that she was actually listening to when she was hearing?
3: This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick, our subject this morning. So how do you make a decision? Coming up, so far, the idea of quick-to-hear seems to be a bad idea, <laughs> especially for selfish interests. But is there more to it than that? That's next.
4: News Talk 980 WXLM. brought in New London. A listening to This is WXLM. XLM.
3: Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, So How Do You Make a Decision? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866 985 for We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now And our website, ChristianQuestions.com and we have an app for your smartphone. Go, yes, to, go we to your do. app store, just type in Christian questions. It's a free service and you can connect to us live on the program Sunday morning.
2: That's right. You can actually message to us uh, through the app and we should should get that message here in the studio and we'll see if we can work that whatever that message is into our our, our, our program uh, if, if those comments are appropriate. So uh, again, the, the app is a free service at your app store. It's a Terrific app, Jonathan. It's got so many great, great features, folks. You just got to get it, try it out, and see what you think. Okay, so. We're talking about being quick to hear. It's like the scripture says, be quick to hear. That's, it's, it's, it's saying, this is a good way to make decisions, but so far you're looking at it and saying, well, I don't know. Eve was quick to hear. and Look where it got her. Yeah. Look where it got us. Trouble. <laughs> so, is being quick to hear, being alert and focused to truly understand the stimulus, is it that good a thing to do? Well, you know, let's, um, let, let, let's, Let's have some fun with this as we go through the the deep philosophical discussion of making decisions. And throughout the program folks, we're going to play clips from some commercials. We're not going to talk about the products. It's not it's not the point. But there's several commercials that are out that that give you a sense of people making not so good decisions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let let's just go to this first one and just listen to what happens. Y'all make bad decisions. Like
4: say gas station sushi. Cheap is good. And sushi good, but cheap sushi not so good. <laughs> Get sick fast. Yeah, that's right.
3: You know, cheap is good, right? Sushi, good.
2: A cheap sushi. Oh no, 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 no. Just you don't want to go bad decisions. Yes. And again, so you know, be quick to hear the input. Again, you say, Well, it's cheap and it's something I like, therefore. Well, be careful. You know, and that's the point. That's part of what being quick to hear actually is. So who would have thought that a commercial would teach such a valuable lesson? <laughs> Folks, if you have a thought, it's eight six six nine eight five. 4255, toll free, 866 985 all We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern, 6 to 8 Central, and that means we're on right now. And our website,
3: ChristianQuestions.com.
2: Okay, so what about someone who was quick to hear the right thing? Uh, we, we looked at an example where you're quick to hear and you respond to the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Let's look at someone who was quick to hear the right thing, but... It was after he made a lot of wrong decisions and wrong choices and and wrong actions. Are you talking about King David? Yes, I am. (laughs) And and let's, let's set this up before we read the scripture because we're going to drop in in the middle of a complicated story. King David committed some pretty awful sins. The worst being arranging for the death of his soldier Uriah because the king had gotten Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, pregnant. Oh, boy. You know, that sounds like a soap opera kind of it thing. It does. And it's, it's, it's a hideous thing because David is a man of God. So it's, it's that much worse because he absolutely, positively knew better. David's decisions were all about serving himself and preserving his own ego. That's why he had Uriah killed. It was to preserve his own ego. Mm-hmm. So finally, after a time, Nathan, a prophet of God, comes to David and tells him a story as though it was an actual event in David's kingdom that that. Needed judgment, right? And he tells a story about a, a a poor man who's got one little lamb, and the rich guy next door takes the guy's one little lamb to serve his uh, his guests, his guests, sure, you know, and and you know he's got his own flocks, and he's and he wealthy. didn't use any of his own, right? Okay. And, and so and so so let, let's look at David's reaction, and then what David hears. Again, be quick to hear. Second Samuel twelve five to
3: thirteen. Then David's anger burned greatly against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. He must make restitution for the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing and had no compassion. Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. It is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house, and your master's wives in your care, and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added to you many more things like these. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, having taken his wife to be your wife, then... David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has also taken away your sin. You shall not die. So what happens here is it's a very, very uh,
2: uh, impressive uh, revealment from Nathan to David. Yes. First of all, it takes an awful lot of guts to go before the king and, and tell him that he's a sinner and he's wrong. Right. That's true. And and uh, David had been quick to hear his own desire. Mm-hmm. That's what got him to all this trouble. Right. But he's also now quick to hear God's judgment. Yeah, you're right. Yes. He hears the story, and then once the story is told, Nathan basically says to him, You are the man that you just judged should die. You're him. Whoa. Nathan tells him why, and David's response is, "I have sinned against the Lord." It's it's immediate. It's not. What are you talking about? We're trying to. No, no. Wait, wait. Right. It's <laughs> there's I no make an excuse. Right. There's no backpedaling. <laughs> no. There is a listening. He is quick to hear, and he hears the judgment of God, and he he embraces it, even though it, it, it it's it's a it's a it's destructive to to
3: himself to his own ego. So how often, when we're told we're wrong, do we embrace it? Right. <laughs> Fight that feeling. Right. right. right?
2: That's exactly it. And, and, and so quick to hear is such an important thing. But again, what are you listening to when you're quick to hear? So our decision-making lesson, while valuable and necessary to be quick to hear, can be a dangerous step if no other steps are taken because it's easy, almost effortless, to place the wrong input into a position of influence. Mm. Never be quick to hear without the other steps. Okay, Okay. so great. Be quick to hear, but don't stop there. Because typically what we're quick to hear is the noise of life, and the noise of life helps us to make bad decisions. (laughs) And you don't want to make bad decisions. No, we don't. Folks, again, if you have a thought on decision-making and what it means to you or or examples or um, observations, let us know, 866 985-4255, 985-4255, toll free, 866 985 all We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern, 6 to 8 Central. And that means we're on right now.
3: Christian Questions, a voice of reason in a world that's lost its way. Keep in touch at ChristianQuestions.com.
2: Okay, so Jonathan, you know, we're looking at this this. This this uh, principle of being quick to hear, and uh, that's a good place to start. But you gotta you gotta develop beyond that. Let's go to now to a, um, and this is going to be a series of sound bites. It, it tells a story by a young lady named Erin Stutland, and I think she is some kind of a, a life coach type person. Mm-hmm. Very 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 um, uh, smart. W- and very wise in terms of understanding certain aspects of life so she's going to be talking she's talking about the best way to make decisions and this is about uh, uh, being obsessed with perfection and this is this is a real difficult part of making decisions so let's go to the soundbite <laughs> <laughs> oh, fred no no no, no fred no, that's that number four I want to share a
5: little story because not long ago, I would have considered myself someone who was awful, and I mean awful, at making decisions, any kinds of decisions. Things like, should I go out to dinner with friends or should I stay in? Should I invest this amount of money into my business? Should I not? A lot of decisions that I made would cause me such inner turmoil. And I think it was because I was so obsessed and addicted to trying to make perfect decisions right or wrong, good or bad, black or white. So I just want to share this story uh, that happened a, quite a long time ago to sort of demonstrate my, my madness. And I'm guessing that you're probably going to be able to
2: relate to it. So we'll tell you the story as we go through the program. Okay. But she she nails down some very, very important bases from which to... to, to uh, uh, move forward in our in our decision making discussion she said she was obsessed with making a perfect decision you know and it means that if i decide exactly the right thing because everything else must be wrong i've got to decide exactly the good thing because everything else must be bad you know white versus black and all that kind of stuff she's saying that she made this decision making to be so much uh, so so narrow in its possibility for success there was only one possible good decision and if i don't make it i'm doomed wow well and, you know that that it has an <laughs> that inc- is being obsessed <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's an incredible amount of pressure it does and, and you know as as a christian if you're trying to decide the will of god in your life mm-hmm. oftentimes we think that well there is only one absolutely narrow path that we can walk down to do exactly what the will of God is. When in fact there may be several paths that God can work with Mm -hmm. with us that's that's true and and maybe we're not making the very best decision but god can still bless a good decision yes yes because we're not perfect okay so (laughs) but but she
3: must be (laughs) but again she she, tried to be (laughs)
2: throughout the program we're going to tell her or she's going to tell her story and it's a really great example of of the the turmoil that we put ourselves into in many cases, just unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. So, we have being quick to hear. That's good. You've got to be quick to hear input, but you've also got to be slow to speak. That's the next part in the James Scripture.
3: Everyone must be quick to hear and slow to speak. What does that mean? Stretch out the space between the stimulus and response far enough to adequately and appropriately decide on a course of action. So, so we need to pause. Right. We can't react instantly after we hear something. Because typically a
2: reaction is not thought out. That's and, emotional. Right. And a reaction is in response to the noise. Right. Making a good decision gets past the noise and sees the real issue. Big difference between those two things. So quick to hear, you've got the noise and then embedded in the noise, you've got proper, good, strong principles that may not come from the noise but are, are still there to mm-hmm. be heard. Sure. And being slow to speak. Pause and consider you know in the psalms hmm. there's a word that's used often in the psalms that's right it's sila and when you see that word when you're reading through psalms it really literally means stop
3: and Consider what you just read. Right. There's something special there Right. That you shouldn't miss, right?
2: So go back mm-hmm. and, and, and sort of rehearse what, what's gone before. So right. that's a very important principle. So sometimes an event of great impact loses its full meaning over time and as a result is viewed as a new stimulus. Sometimes this brings us to a bad decision. So again, we're going to go to back to, into Genesis. This is in the context of building the Tower of Babel. This is after the flood and the human... The, the the human race began to become full of themselves. Some of them, anyway, and were looking to 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 show their dominance in the world. that nothing could could could. Uh, take a, be be taken away from them. They could do anything they wanted to, and building this tower was a way to to uh, uh, to to reach toward God, toward heaven, and also to protect themselves from any great flood. We'll build a
3: tower so high that no flood could ever reach us again. <laughs> Genesis eleven four to nine. They said, "Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven, and let us make for ourselves a name; otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth." So let's come together, we're going to build this tower to reach to heaven, it's going
2: to be an incredible symbol of our dominance and our power, and again, our power over nature itself, this is what it's going to show, in every aspect, it will show how strong we are, see they had remembered the flood, but ignored the meaning of the promise of the rainbow, uh, and decided to take matters in, into their own hands, we are going to assert our authority, and in so doing, they're, they're listening, but not to godly thinking. Mm. They're listening to the noise of their own egos. There you go.
3: And that's a lot of noise. We better be careful. Yeah. Okay. Let's, Let's continue. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men built. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language, and this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down... And there confused their language, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. So when we react
2: or decide out of fear or emotion or pride, Confusion often results Now at the, at, at the building of the Tower of Babel, the confusion was literally the confusion of languages. Yes so yes. It, so God confused their languages and, and, and they were forced to be uh, separated because they literally could not understand one another. right So he, he created confusion in that environment because the ego of man was speaking loud and clear, and it wasn't based on hearing anything good see that's that's the problem that we have when it comes to decision making and folks uh, look th- th- this ends up being a very personal conversation because in our decision making processes in our lives, do we get to a point where my decisions are because it's it's me that's deciding and it's it it and and I know what I know, and it's got to be all about me because I'm the most important thing
3: but if we're looking to do god's will, that's the opposite of the truth
2: and God, God's will can be there to protect us yes. and to take care of us and to guide us but it's about him not us right? and so the human ego is, creates a lot of noise in the process of making decisions it creates noise that sometimes is so loud we can't hear anything else
3: this is Christian Questions I'm Jonathan here with Rick our subject this morning so how do you make a decision coming up Should we be slow to speak even when what we hear makes little sense in our minds? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, So How Do You Make a Decision? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866 866-985 985 We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And go to our website and sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition.
2: That's a great service, Jonathan. It takes each and every program, our two-hour broadcast, and it puts it down on, on paper into a PDF file format, uh, adds graphics and illustrations, follows the all of the scriptures, a lot of the commentary, and just creates a a, a, a self-contained lesson based on what we talked about. It's a Bible study per topic. Yeah, it's wonderful. Free service available exclusively at ChristianQuestions.com and you can actually get it through your Christian Questions app. So you get the app, you get everything. That's right. Okay, and again it's all a free service. All right. So so folks as we move forward here, uh, we're we're talking about what does it take to make right decisions? You know, slow to speak or, or slow, uh, quick to hear, or slow to speak. Mm-hmm. Okay, those are two principles uh, for the first hour that we're focusing on. Let's go to another another commercial. And uh, this is one of my. And, and again, it's not about the products. It's just about the bad decision making. And uh, this is the the, the the scene here is 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 a group of young people who you know. You, I don't watch horror movies. Okay. Never have, never will. They just there's just nothing there for me. But typically, <laughs> <Good decision. yeah.
0: laughs>
2: But typically, in those scenarios, people make the dumbest decisions <laughs> to get themselves in trouble, right? Okay, y'all, and, Of course. And, and this commercial highlights this. This is hilarious. Listen to this.
0: <laughs> Let's hide the attic.
5: No, in the basement. Why <laughs> can't we just get in the running car? Are you crazy? i guy behind the chainsaws.
2: Fart. <laughs>
0: if you're in a horror movie, you make poor decisions. That's what you do.
5: <laughs> I'm being quiet. <laughs> Breathing on me.
2: <laughs> Why can't we just get in the running car? What are you, crazy? <laughs> <laughs> bad decisions. And, and, and folks, we make bad decisions because we often rely... On our knee-jerk reaction, on our ego, just on, on the input, and we make a snap decision without thinking it through. Mm-hmm. And, you know,
3: that's a funny example, but we end up getting ourselves in trouble. And you cut it short because then you hear the sound of the chainsaw. Yes. Yeah. Because they're <laughs> hiding behind the chainsaw, and they said, "No, quick, let's run to the cemetery. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, okay then. Yeah, yeah. Like, what, what is wrong with these people? But
2: we all fall into that same basic category. So, slow to speak. Again, stretch out the space between the stimulus and response far enough to adequately and appropriately decide um, a- on a course of action. You've got to make the space big enough to adequately decide on appropriate courses of action.
3: That's a big deal. It is. Well, Rick, why don't we go to the phones? We have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions.
6: Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. I have a sobering uh uh, aspect to this uh, whole situation here. The other night I was—I uh, don't watch uh, news commentaries every night, but the other night I happened to watch it. Eddie was depressing, Uh and he reminds me of uh, what Jonathan said a little while ago: a world that has lost its way. You know, uh, going to the positive now. Remember years ago, uh it came up on your program somehow. I forget. <coughs> excuse me, how how it came up, but. This man, he changed his name to In God We Trust. Remember that? Oh, yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, uh, you know, it is, it is a troubled world. In, uh, Matthew twenty four twenty two, if you recall, uh, the text that says, Except those days be shortened, there be no flesh saved. And, uh, my remedy here, my, my suggestion is, uh, uh, a scripture that I think uh, some time ago I saw on one of your uh, advertisements, or of the computer, or uh, somewhere I saw it of your internet program. Uh, but anyway, I got it from you folks, and I love it, and uh, it's it's a solution to the whole thing in making the right decision, and that's Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen, and I'll just read it in closing. Jeremiah twenty nine verse thirteen says, "And you shall seek me." And find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Thank you and God bless.
3: Thank you, Julius. Appreciate your call.
2: And, and it's such a great scripture because it's you, you seek me and find me when you search with all of your heart. So the, the, the basis of making a good decision is finding the strongest foundation to make it on. And that Jeremiah scripture that Julius just quoted nails down what the most important thing is. So Julius, great call. Thanks so much for your input there. So, so Jonathan, slow to speak. Okay, the space between the stimulus and the response is a great opportunity to 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 do great decision making. You know, in, in that moment. So the following example. Let's go to another example. The following example is one of great faith displayed by being quiet. And following God, even though it looks like complete folly and even death. Even death? Yeah. Gideon. Okay. Gideon of the Old Testament and his army were about to do battle with the Amalekites. While Gideon had a strong and numerous army, the Amalekites were also a massive army. Let's look at Judges seven twelve.
3: Now the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the sons of the East were laying in the valley lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number, as numerous as the sand on the seashore.
2: So you get an idea that there's a lot They're of They're huge.
3: This is a massive, Whoa.
2: massive army. This this is going to be a major, major battle. So Gideon was in tune with God's will. He, he had been living that way uh, before this event. Yes. So now watch how quick he is to hear and slow he is to speak as this particular story develops. It's going to be Judges chapter 7. Let's go back now to verses 1
3: to 3. Then Gideon and all the people who are with him rose early and camped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was on the north side of them by the hill of Morek in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give Midian into their hands. For Israel would become boastful, saying, My own power has delivered me now therefore come proclaim in the hearing of the people saying whoever is afraid and trembling let him return and depart from Mount Gilead so 22,000 people returned but 10,000 remained so let's get this straight you're going to fight the battle of all battles with this giant foe across the way right
2: so you have your massive army of 32,000 men and God says to Gideon you have too many men now who in their right mind, is going to say, oh yes, you're right, we have too many men for this great big battle. Gideon doesn't say a word. He doesn't say a word. And God says, the reason you have too many men is because you're going to win this battle. But because of your numbers, you're going to say, look how strong we are. He said, so, go let people who are afraid go home. So Gideon announces to his army, if you're afraid, you can go. 22,000 Out of his 32,000, go home. Whoa. Okay? So now he just lost 68% of his fighting force. Unbelievable. Now, see, here's the interesting thing. Gideon was slow to speak. You know, he was quick to hear. Yep. He's slow to speak. He doesn't complain. Or challenge. He doesn't challenge. Right. He just lost 68% of his fighting force. He's already decided to follow God, so he's staying with. He says, okay.
3: So he trusts God for the victory? Yes. No matter what? Absolutely trust God for the victory. No
2: matter what. He is in line with the will of God. Gotcha. Folks, if you have a thought, we're talking about making good decisions. It's 866 4255 Toll free, eight six six nine eight five four all. We are live Sunday mornings from seven to nine Eastern, six to eight central, and that means we're on right now. And
3: you can tweet us at CQ Net Radio.
2: All right. So You've got this great thing, we're going to take a moment here and stop with the the, 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 the story about Gideon. Let's go back to Erin Stutland, remember she was talking about back in a time in her life where she wanted to make the perfect decision. That's right. Okay, let's go and figure out what it is she's trying to decide about.
5: This was my senior year of high school and I was deciding which college to go to and maybe you had a similar experience. And I knew that I was going to go dance in college. And it was between the University of Iowa and the University of Illinois, both wonderful schools. But for the life of me, I could not decide where I wanted to be. And I truly, truly believed in my heart that one place would make me happier than the other place. That going to one school, it would mean I would be more successful than if I went to the other school. And it just felt like there was no good choice to make. And I had gotten to the point where I had overanalyzed all the thinking. I and mean, I had weighed the pros and the cons and the cons and the pros. And sometimes when you get into this place where you've analyzed it to death, you know, it's funny, when you're trying really hard to make a decision, people will often say to you, what does your gut say? You know, what, what does your gut really tell you? And if you've gotten to that place where you've completely analyzed it, you are totally disconnected from your gut and your intuition in every and any sense. And so much so that it's like almost impossible to find your way back into that place. So that's where I was with this decision.
2: So she's she's trying to decide what school to go to, but she's killing herself. She's going to be hospitalized
3: before <laughs> she goes to school. <laughs>
2: Because she's trying to, in her mind, it's right or wrong. Ah. And, you know, now she's speaking, obviously, about the experience afterwards. Mm-hmm, and, sure. and she prefaced it by saying, look, they're both terrific schools. But I just couldn't decide which one was the right one for me. And so she, she, she ties herself up in a knot uh in, in every level of her life. And and we'll we'll come back to that story uh in the second hour and just see what happens and how she works through it. Let's go back now to uh Gideon. He's got now got ten thousand men to fight this battle. We're in Judges chapter seven verses four to eight.
3: The Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, You shall separate everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, as well as everyone who kneels to drink. Now the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men, but all the rest of the people kneeled to drink. Okay,
2: so from 10,000 men, what is the number he goes down to? Three
3: hundred
2: 300 against a vast army. Now he's lost 99%
3: of his fighting force. But what does Gideon say?
2: Nothing. There is no voice from Gideon. There's Whoa. no saying, God, look, this is really not smart. <laughs> 300 versus tens of thousands. What are you doing to me here? Slow to speak. He, because Why did he not complain? Because he was already... In tune with God. He was already decided to not hear the noise, but to hear the voice of God. Wow. So, so quick to hear the right things and slow to speak. He's absorbing the, the, the God's, God's way here. So now, key point. Just because you've decided doesn't mean that you don't, that you're not
3: afraid. Oh, that's true.
2: Okay, just sure, because you've decided sure. doesn't mean you've you suddenly become fearless. Oh, no, 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 no. Judges 7,
3: uh, 10, and 11. But if you are afraid to go down, go to Pura, your servant down to the camp, and you will hear what they say. And afterward, your hand will be strengthened when you go down against the camp.
2: So, God understands the absolute fear that must have gripped Gideon at this point, And God says to him, um, look, if... If there's something that you're afraid of, go here and just listen to what the men are saying. And he does go there, and what happens is he hears some talking about a dream in which you know, they, they, they win this great, great battle. And Jonathan, that's the end of the story. That's it. They win a great battle with just 300 men because God turns the, uh, the, the Amalekites against themselves. Wow. So there's a great, great lesson here. He made the right decision even though it looked stupid. It looked dumb in the face of all things. So, Jonathan, just quickly at the end of this hour, what, a, what would a point system for weighing the reasons for moving forward with a decision, how, how would that look? You know, let's take a, like a scripturally sound principle. Let's give that ten points. Okay,
3: ten points is good.
2: Okay, a morally sound principle. Ten points. Okay. How about, what would Jesus or the apostles do? Ten points. Okay. Now, on the other side, what do I personally want? How about a minus (laughs) 10 points? (laughs) How about, what's the easiest way out?
3: Oh, how about minus 20 on that (laughs) one? (laughs) How about, well, what's everybody else doing? Oh, that's even worse. Minus 30. (laughs) Jonathan, the point giver,
2: you know, if, if if you're looking to play the spread, there you have it. You want to win the game of decision making. Yes. Really, the bottom line is very, very simple. Scripturally sound principles. Yes. Morally sound principles. Absolutely. And looking at, examples of those who lived godly lives what would they have done in the circumstance that I find myself in now listen to what's important try and ignore the noise find the principles and be quiet while you do it and then you can speak now there's a whole lot more to this decision-making process in the second hour so folks if we're not out in your area Go to ChristianQuestions.com, click Listen Live, and stay with us. There is so much more to come. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, it's all about making decisions, and not just making decisions, making great decisions based on godly principles. We'll be back after the news and all that, but till then, how do you make a decision? We'll be back soon. Think about it.
4: This is Christian Questions.
2: Chinese proverb once said, A wise man makes his own decisions, an ignorant man follows public opinion. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, we've got a very, very interesting, fascinating subject on the table. Very commonplace, but fascinating.
3: Yes, we do, Rick. And our question is, so how do you make a decision? And our theme text is found in James chapter 1, verse 19. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger.
2: In that verse lies some profound wisdom in terms of making decisions. Now, look, you can say I make a decision, I flip a coin. <laughs> oh, that's not wise. <laughs> now, look, if it comes down to should I wear the red shirt or the gray shirt, go ahead, flip a coin. <laughs> but when it comes down to the, to, the, to the important aspects of life, there's so much more to it than that. So, uh, it, you just want to, want to focus on what are the, what are the principles to, to use in making good decisions. And, and one of the things we've been doing, Jonathan, during this program is just taking a moment just to, to add the, the other side of it and looking at really bad decisions, uh, it, on commercials? On, via commercials. Okay. So now we're going to go to another, another clip from another commercial. Uh, and this is just a list of quick tips for poor decision making. And this is actually Rob Lowe speaking here. Looking for the right
4: present for your nephew? Consider a crossbow. Always buy your mattresses used. If the weather isn't cooperating with your barbecue plans, bring the grill inside. Yard sales? Great place to find affordable swimwear. I okay.
2: uh, love it. <laughs> Don't try this at home, okay? No. <laughs> I mean, and, and you know, it, it's funny when you look at things like that and, and say, like, oh well, well, duh. But take the principles of just the reactions that we all we all use and and look at that and, and say, you know, there, there's value in understanding foolishness in decision making versus wisdom in decision making. Sure, there is. So the first two points that we discussed
3: were what in be, the first hour? Be quick to hear. Be alert and focused to truly understand the stimulus. Number two, slow to speak. Stretch out the space between the stimulus and response far enough to adequately and appropriately decide on a course of action. Okay. So be quick to hear, slow to speak. And again,
2: because stimulus, space, response. That's the process of decision making. You get the input, you have a space to work through it, and then you create a response. So be quick to hear and slow to speak. The scripture says take your time figuring it out. Now the next one is going to be to be slow to anger. Let's just get started with this and then we'll go to the phones.
3: Use the space to pin anger down, to control it, and not allow it to be your response, but to be a tool of response only if necessary.
2: Okay, so why is anger mentioned here? Because, you know, if we're talking about decisions, why is anger mentioned? Well, James one twenty, the very next verse, tells us.
3: For the anger of a man does not achieve the righteousness
2: of God. And we'll develop that in, in a few minutes. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So, therefore, good decision making is all about being in line with godly principles and
3: not ourselves. Yes. Not our egos. Right.
2: Let's go to the phones.
3: All right. Well, we have Carol from Connecticut. Good morning, Car- Carol, and welcome to Christian Questions. Hi. Good morning.
0: Um, thank you for your show. I absolutely love it. Um, I was telling the um, that I answered the phone that I'm 52 and a widow. My husband died when he was 52. My son and our daughter-in-law and my little granddaughter live in England. And I've never seen my granddaughter when we have on Skype, never held her. And there was no way monetarily that I would ever get to go to see her. I prayed to God about a month and a half ago, please God, help me to figure out how I can get to England, how I can get to see them. And I've never ever flown. I'm afraid to fly. Well, I got informed by Social Security that they re- they miscalculated my husband's Social Security and they owed him money, which would bring me enough to get to England. And, and I was like, And I verify, yes, this is money owed to your husband. That's how I am going, because I asked God, and that's how I made the decision, a very strong decision for me. I got my passport going, the application, and I'm going to go to England all by myself, never flown, a lot of hours, but I'm going to do it because God wants me to through my late husband, and I'm going to do it. You just got to ask God, and he will answer you, not right then, but he will eventually answer you.
2: Well, Carol, that's a great, great, uh, great uh, experience of your life, and, and I can't
0: it, make decisions at all. Believe me, <laughs> I am the head of that department.
2: Well, and and you know, a, as we go through this program, the, the important points about making decisions are finding the godly principles, finding the, the the sure foundation, and then moving forward. And you know, sometimes we're not, we may not be right, we may interpret things wrong, mm-hmm. uh, and and, we, and most of the time, all of the time, we're not perfect. Right, but it's okay. Right. God wants us to move forward. Right. Thanks so much for calling and sharing your
3: experience. Uh, We really appreciate it. Take, take care, Carol.
2: It's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing, you know, especially her, 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 her focus on, and I can't make a decision to save my, <laughs> my life, because so many of us are like that. Yes, we are. And that's why this is an important conversation, is to understand the power of godly principles as a foundation, seeing through all of the noise and finding what's solid. So, Carol, again, thanks so much, and have a great trip to yeah, go visit your, sure, your grandchild yeah. for the first time ever. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866 985 all We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern, 6 to 8 Central, and
3: that means we're on right now. And if you have any questions on our subject and you'd like to email us, you can email us at rick at net. Okay. All right, Jonathan, back to anger. Why is anger mentioned
2: here? You know, s- slow to speak and slow to anger. Let's go to a few other verses on anger. Proverbs 14,
3: 29 to 30. He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. A tranquil heart is life to the body, but passion is rottenness to the bones. Okay, so it gives you a sense of anger gets you in trouble
2: because you you, you forget reality. 2 Corinthians 10.5
3: We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive... To the obedience of christ so if you
2: take every thought captive to the obedience of christ it really is the decision-making process crystallizing in that little little it, phrase it really is you know okay that's where you have to find your
3: foundation yes. for deciding proverbs fifteen eighteen: a hot-tempered man stirs up strife but the slow to anger calms the dispute and that is so true
2: people have a hard time arguing with somebody who doesn't argue back right hey did Jesus ever show his anger? He did. He did show anger at times, very specific times, but he did not uh he didn't make a habit of it, and it was it was righteous indignation, not I'm mad at you. Good point. Good big point. big big difference and his anger when you analyze his expression of anger it was because there was no other way to get the point across gotcha so very very positive there uh let's go back to to erin stutland remember the young lady who was trying to decide which college to go to and just destroying herself tying herself up in knots because she wanted to make the perfect decision for which school so let's hear what happens next in her story
5: day that i had to hand in my acceptance letter this was before you did it via email. And I was headed off to school and I, and I, my mom said, all right, what's it going to be? And I said, all right, I'm going to University of Iowa. And I said it with such clarity and such grace and such power. And she was like, are you sure? Because at this point oh, I had been no. back and forth for a solid six months. And I said, yes, I'm sure University of Iowa. And I went off to school and I was feeling, you know, pretty good. And I had gone to school, and I was sitting in my first period class, and all of a sudden I was struck with panic. I mean, it was as though I was having an anxiety attack. And I I stood up from class, and I ran to the payphone, because this is, you know, while we still have payphones. And I called my mom, and I said, did you, send the, did you send in the thing yet? And she said, no, why, what's going on? I said, I can't go to University of Iowa. That's a terrible decision. I want to go to University of
2: Illinois. <laughs> so she's... Tormenting herself. Poor thing. Trying to make the perfect decision. And when she deci- thinks she de- has decided, she really hasn't. And she has the second guessing, which eats her up. Mm. And again, that is symptomatic of so many of us. We make a decision. Okay, we finally, you know, plant our feet firmly. And then we die in the second guessing process. <laughs> <laughs> we just die. And that's what happened to her. So. Uh. And something that's such, such an important thing, James one twenty one. Let's move forward now because you know we've talked about being quick to
3: hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. James one twenty one. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls.
2: So the next principle of good
3: decision making, principle four, is putting aside all filthiness. What does that mean? Filthiness means establish yourself as having rejected the human default of a sinful and broken basis for decision-making.
2: So, there. in other words, you have to put away all of the things we've been talking about. All of that emotional reaction, all of that ego stuff, all of that, that reactive process. Yes. Put those things away. Let's look at someone who did not do a good job of this. Okay, King Solomon. The once wise King Solomon gives into his lusts, marries those who worship idols, and becomes an idol worshiper himself. Now remember, this was the wisest man in all the earth.
3: And probably the richest. Too. <laughs> yes,
2: yes, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. But what happened to him? Let's look at
3: 1 Kings 11, verses 1 through 10. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, You shall not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you. For they will surely turn your heart away after their gods. Solomon held fast to these he loved. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. Well, of course they would. I mean,
2: he, he became obsessive in darkness.
3: That's a thousand women.
2: Yeah, yeah, I just, I mean, forget about it. Solomon, what were you thinking? Well, well, here's the thing, Jonathan. He had such wisdom, he had such brilliance, but he allowed his desires to override that wisdom and brilliance, which was God-based originally. Mm. And all of that wisdom and brilliance then became skewed to fulfilling his own desires. He listened to the noise. He was attracted to those things that were around him. And it, it all fell apart. Our decision making can get settled into patterns of good or evil. He originally had a good pattern. He did. But then he allowed it to change. Each pattern instinctively throws away what would drive the other. And that's key. When we're in a good pattern, it instinctively throws away the darkness. Yep. When we're in a bad part, pattern, it instinctively throws away the light. Not good. And that, and most of us have our decision-making processes in a bad pattern because we're listening to the noise, not to the foundation. Let's go back. We, we talked about Viktor Frankl in the first hour. Yes. Holocaust survivor. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to another soundbite from this interview with Viktor Frankl. Uh, and he's talking in this, and this is important. He's talking about despair. Listen to how he describes what despair
1: is. Despair uh, can be explained in terms of a mathematical equation. D, capital D, equals S minus M. What does it mean? Despair is suffering without meaning. As long as an individual cannot find, cannot see any meaning in his or her, it's suffering I wanted to say, no meaning in the suffering he or or her will will certainly be prone to despair and, under certain conditions, to suicide.
2: That's a powerful, powerful statement. Mm. Despair equals suffering minus meaning. So, when we suffer, if there's meaning attached to it, there's hope. You're right. But if there's no meaning, there's despair. And our decision-making, when we get to the sense where we feel like there's no meaning... It simply creates despair. What happened to King Solomon was exactly that. He despaired because he lost the meaning of his life. Let's look at uh, the, the further verses in 1 Kings chapter 11. Let's pick up verses uh, 4 through 10, and we're going to skip a few verses just to get
3: through this. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. Now the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he did not observe what the Lord had commanded. Okay, so he did not observe what the Lord had commanded. That's an important aspect of this. And
2: he... Got sucked into despair because he had no solid ground to any longer stand upon, and so when when we think about putting aside all filthiness, that becomes such an important part of how do you listen to the right things? How do you do that? Well, one of the things you have to do is we have to put things away. When we don't decide, uh, 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 when we don't decide by putting unrighteousness away, we'll only find trouble and despair. Yes, Solomon basked in unrighteousness and he found despair to the point where he was willing later on in his life to throw away wisdom he threw everything away because of it
3: this is Christian questions I'm Jonathan here with Rick our subject this morning so how do you make a decision coming up how do we make good decisions a habit does filling our mind with spiritually enlightened thinking help that's next
4: are listening to Christian
3: Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning: so, how do you make a decision? If you have a thought, give us a call, toll-free, 866-985-4255. That's 866-985 for all. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now and our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And don't forget to get your free app for your smartphone at your app store.
2: And uh, the Christian Questions app has all kinds of uh, great, great, great features. It's been newly updated. You can actually uh, message us right here in the studio during the program. Uh, We'll put that message up on our screen so we can see it. You can listen live on your phone. And you can even dial in by pressing a button on your phone. I mean, look, how how much better is it than that? I mean, come on, come on, come on. Free app. Come on, people. (laughs) All right, Jonathan. It's a decision, Jonathan. Just got to make the decision. Get the app. Try it out. And I think it's a good one. I think it's a great one. Uh, all right, so, so we're, we're we're looking at decision making, and at the top of each hour, we're looking at a really bad decision via commercials. Yes. Uh, this next commercial—it's a very very short soundbite because it's, it's just got one little tagline. So let me set it up. In the commercial, there's a young man who's got um, wood all, all over his driveway. He's he's getting set up. You know, you can hear the rustling and the birds in the background, and he's getting up to do some to chop some wood. Okay, let's listen. Hey, throw me the axe. <laughs> throw me the axe? Yeah, not a good decision. <laughs> Tough guy. You know, hey, throw me the axe. I mean, again, don't try this at home. The, the, the idea is we all do things out of just reaction without thinking, and sometimes they can get us into real serious trouble. Absolutely. So having said that, let's get down into the, into more into the depth of the conversation. We're, we're talking about the, the, the part of the verse in James chapter one. It says put aside, putting aside all filthiness, which means to establish yourself as having rejected the human reaction default of sinful and broken basis for decision making. You've got to reject what seems to be natural. Mm-hmm. And that's the reaction. So. Another example. This next example is a classic regarding what we hear, what we process, and what we decide. This takes place again in the Old Testament. This is when the, the 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 Jewish nation, having been freed from Egypt, you know, is going to be able to take the land of Canaan to to be their homeland. God promised them that land. That's right. So they, they come were waiting for that land. So they come to it in, in in short order, and they send spies into the land to see what it is and what the conditions are there. Now, God promised them that
3: land. He did. Let's hear what happens. Numbers thirteen twenty-five to 32. When they returned from spying out the land, at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told them and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey and this is its fruit. So this is really good stuff. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large, and moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country. And the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Okay, so you've got this, this, this. Uh, it's
2: a report. This report. Yeah. Um, so what did they know? They knew that a God had promised them the land. Right. They. What did they see? They saw a land flowing with milk and honey, a beautiful place that was very, very fertile and productive. Yes. Uh What weighed most in their thinking? Was it the the milk and honey and the wonderful, wonderful fertility of the land? It was the fact that there were lots and lots of people there that looked pretty fierce. Big city. That's right. Big city, lots of different tribal nations, if you will. And they're strong and they're fierce and we're afraid. That's what weighed most in their mind. Okay, so... There was a couple of those spies, Caleb is the one who speaks up here, but there were Joshua and Caleb who didn't see it quite that
3: way. Next verse. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it.
2: So, it's interesting the way Caleb says it. it. He says, we should by all means... Go do what God has set us to do. Yeah, he was focused. Yeah, yeah. And, and he said, yeah, I know, I know. I, I was there. I saw those guys. They all looked big and fierce. But God said, so we, by all means, should go do what God has, has told us to do. So he's very, what does he know? He knows God promised in the land. Yes, he does. What did he see? He saw the milk and honey and all the good stuff. Oh, yeah. He saw the big, the big, strong, tough-looking people. Yep. Okay. What weighed most in his thinking? What God Promise them, right? And that's the difference. But you had ten of those spies because there were twelve cents saying no, 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 no. Two of them saying by all means, what are we waiting for? So, uh, you know, it's it's a tough thing when you're outnumbered six to one. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) There was a lot of noise, and that's the point. They listened to the noise instead of finding the solid foundation for making a decision. So what's the conclusion of this whole process? Well, let's go to verses
3: 31 uh, to 32. But the men who had gone up with them said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone, in spying it out, is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. Yeah, see, that would scare me, because I'm not a man of great size, okay? <laughs> well, David and Goliath David wasn't bothered by that.
2: No, that's right. And again, it's 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 they didn't filter out the noise, the noise dominating the dominated their decision making. Right. And that was the problem. The human reaction default was fear and faithlessness. Most were overcome by the fear and faithlessness. So what can we learn from their wrong decision because you know what happened to israel after that they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years that's right not a good end result to a bad decision yeah you know god had just delivered them remember from from with the with the plagues and all of that stuff i mean it was it was god showed the miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle yes and yet here they had the opportunity to move forward and they denied the miraculous deliverance of god Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985 for all. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern, 6 to
3: 8 Central. And that means we're on right now. Out from the dark ages and into the light of today, join us 24-7 at ChristianQuestions.com. All right, let's go back to young lady Erin
2: Stutland, who, remember, she was trying to decide which college to go to, was killing herself in the process. And she finally made a decision. And then she went back on it because she had this anxiety attack that. Oh, no, I must have made the wrong decision. I can't do that. What do I do? And, I mean, she's out of time at this point. Let's listen.
5: Uh, are you sure? She said, yes. I said, I'm sure this feels like such a better choice. This is a much better choice, I thought. And so she said, okay, University of Illinois. Hung up the phone. Wouldn't you know it that within a few hours of feeling so good about this decision, I was right back to where I started, flipping and flopping, hemming and hawing, feeling so tortured. Uh, so much so that I did end up going to the University of Illinois, but my whole first year of college was so challenging because even though I had made the decision to go there, I actually hadn't fully embraced it or accepted it or owned it, that this is really you know a good choice for me today uh, because I was so still caught in the idea that one was good, one was bad. One would make me happy, one would not. And I was so used to beating myself up in the process of making the decision. And then after making the decision, I was still in the process of beating myself up that I, there's no way that I could cho- choose right.
2: So she makes the, she decides on this, the second call, just she decided against the first time, Right, ends up going there and she says her whole first year was wasted because she's second guessing and doubting and saying, oh, this is not gonna be good for me. It's not gonna be good for me. I mean, Jonathan, she, 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 she ruined great opportunity. Because she was so stuck in not letting go of what had happened and embracing what she owned in terms of
3: decision. I think the lesson for for her was she didn't own it. Right, right.
2: And and, and that's what she said. She, she said, "Yeah, I, I, I should have,
3: but I didn't. So in our minds, do we own or trust God's word and his plan to make our decisions through that filter or not?
2: And you, and that's the key. You've got to own it. So, and, and you know, we've been talking about putting aside all filthiness, putting aside right, the right. the human reactive part. The next part in the verse says exactly this: receive the word implanted. What does that mean?
3: Embrace the new, higher spiritual default for decision making of enlightened thinking.
2: So in other words, by putting aside all filthiness, we have to replace it with something better, with something to embrace. Yes. To hold and to own, and that is receive the word implanted. So look, it's easy to begin to embrace something when it doesn't require much of you personally.
3: True. Okay?
2: But when the personal cost is high, the decision to embrace is of far greater difficulty. It's just much more difficult because there's a cost because now you're committed to a specific pathway. And look, Jonathan, sometimes our decisions, have you ever made a decision, really thought you were making the right decision, but it turned out you could have made a better one?
3: Yes, of course.
2: But in the process, if you embrace the decision you make, you do it at least wholeheartedly, believing you've done the right thing. Right. And if it's not quite right, God will show you. Exactly. And, and you can learn from it. And that's the point of, of committing ourselves to stepping forward. So, again, let's go back to another, um, uh, another scriptural example uh, with uh, Elijah this time. And a decision-making process by a woman who um, uh, made a decision that didn't look very promising, but ended up to
3: be a great blessing. 1 Kings 17, 8-16. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have a com- commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please, get me a little water in a jar that I may drink. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, "As the Lord your God lives, I have no bread; only a handful of flour in a bowl and a little oil in a jar. And behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die." So, remember, this is when there was a drought in the land.
2: Yes, and uh, and, and so uh, Elijah is told to go to this specific woman where that that will provide for him. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't know this, but God does. <laughs> right, right. And she and her son are basically starving to death
3: at this point because of this drought. They are, and this is going to be their last meal.
2: Right. So she knows they've run out of everything, but Elijah insists, "Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand." You know, and she says, uh, "But I don't have any." Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to die.
3: So what happens? Then Elijah said to her, "Do not fear. Go do as I have said, but make me a little bread cake." From it first, and bring it out to me, and afterward you may make one for yourself and for your son. For <laughs> afterward, oh,
2: think that's about that. Scary. It is. It's scary. And <laughs> and what a what a tremendous step of faith this would have
3: to be. Absolutely. Is it,
2: look, there's not enough. Didn't you hear me?
3: Listen to what happens. For thus says the Lord God of Israel: the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoke through Elijah. So,
2: Elijah what says to... faith. And, and, and here's the thing. Wow. You know, she's told, okay, this is what's going to happen on your behalf. The key thing, Jonathan, is the noise of the situation is... Well, we're starving, but we're starving, but there's nothing left, but there's nothing left. The foundational truth of the situation is Elijah is saying, here's what God said will happen for you. Promise from God. So she takes that final step in faith, uses up everything to give to Elijah, and then the miracle happens. The miracle doesn't happen before. It happens after. She makes the decision based on something strong that she heard.
3: So you give up everything, and then you're blessed by God.
2: She heard the word of God spoken through Elijah. She pauses and considers and realizes that that is stronger than the noise in her own head, and she goes and she makes the bread for Elijah, and she's blessed with this miracle. And it's interesting, the miracle is until rain falls again, and then you're on your own right because then you can fend for yourself exactly so it's a wonderful wonderful experience the 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 widow heard god and heard elijah in spite of her own awful, awful prospects. Her faith was evident in in her decision to hear, consider, and respond based on God's word and not based on starvation. Now, look, being based on starvation, that's something you you, you consider carefully. Oh, for sure. But she had something bigger and more powerful. She had a miracle-working prophet of God in her midst, and that was something incredibly important. She implanted the word of God.
3: This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick, our subject this morning. So how do you make a decision? Coming up, the principles of good decision making takes a lot of work. Is it worth it? That's next.
4: You're listening to Christian Questions.
3: Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, So How Do You Make a Decision? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866 985 for We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now and our website, christianquestions.com, and go to our website and become a Twitter follower. To learn about upcoming programs and new updates posted, our website has over 500 archive programs. Go to christianquestions.com.
2: All right, so making good decisions, Jonathan, and at the top of every, uh, every segment, what we do is just go to uh, some commercial somewhere where somebody's not making good decisions, and, and these are hilarious. This is uh, Quick Tips for Poor Decision
4: Making with Rob Lowe. Stray pit bulls make great housewarming gifts. (laughs) CPR training is almost always a huge waste of time. Why waste your money at the dentist when they teach you how to do all that stuff on the Internet? If a Nigerian prince emails you to borrow money, lend it to him, because then you're friends with the prince. Yeah,
2: really. <laughs> but again, what happens is we get stuck in the moment, in the emotion, in the noise, and we forget the principles. and And that's a, just a funny way to remind ourselves of: don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. So, Jonathan, we're getting down to the last principle of good decision making shown to us in James one twenty two. So, or James one. Let's read now verse twenty two.
3: But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers. Who delude themselves
2: so the sixth principle of good decision making is prove yourself a doer of the word
3: learn to consistently apply steps one through five
2: okay so one through five um, and you know what I just look at I only have four of them listed here but uh, uh, so that actually is, is step number uh,
3: that that is step number uh, 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 five five yes one through four All right, we have a correction.
2: Okay, so anyway, go ahead. Let's read through the previous steps.
3: To be quick to hear, be alert and focused to truly understand the stimulus. Slow to speak. Stretch out the space between stimulus and response far enough to adequately and appropriately decide on a course of action. Okay, quick to hear. Remember, there's 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 a pause. Slow to speak. And now slow to anger. Okay. Use the same space to pin anger down to control it and not allow it to be your response but to be a tool of response only if necessary
2: and jesus is a great example of the proper use of anger because it's not out of emotion it's out of righteousness and necessity right and actually there is number five receive the word implanted i just didn't list it here Uh okay receive the word implanted embrace the new higher spiritual default for decision-making of enlightened thinking. Remember the removing the uh, um, putting aside all filthiness. Did, you, did I let you read that or did I cut you off before you read it? No, no, that's okay. Okay. <laughs> so putting aside all filthiness is putting aside emotional response. And number five is re, and, and replace it with. The word implanted. Embrace the word implanted. Yes. Because you replace the filthiness, the, 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 the clutter in our own heads.
3: And this will prove uh, that we are doers of the word. Right. That's the point. That's how you get to
2: that sixth step, that sixth principle of good decision making. So if we apply all of these things, we have a much, much better chance of making really solid, strong decisions. And even if we do that in good faith and then they're wrong, God will show us. That's right. So th- that, that's, that's part of it. Now, let's go back to Erin Stutland uh, one last time and just hear how she wraps this up because she says something very, very profound in her conclusion, in her observation of her own uh, of her own turmoil that she created for herself.
5: This is for all my perfectionists out there because I think part of what makes it so challenging for us to make a decision is that we really feel like we need to do it perfectly, that everything needs to be perfect. But I'm going to invite you to redefine today what perfect actually means. Because it actually doesn't mean what we think it means. The Latin root of perfect is perfectus. And the meaning of perfectus is to finish or to complete something. So if you have finished or you have completed something, then there in itself means that it is perfect. And so I want you to practice today with everything that you finish, Everything that you complete, every decision that you make, from whether it's what you're going to wear, to what you're going to eat, to who you're going to call, to who you're going to email, every time you make a decision you finish something, I want you to say to yourself, it's perfect. It's perfect. And I don't mean perfect in that uh, pristine sense. I mean perfect in like, it is done.
2: So there's a great principle there. The idea of, and, and you know, that word does hold true in, in, in scripture. Perfect does mean complete.
3: It is finished.
2: Right. So if you make a decision, you've completed a process. You therefore need to embrace the completed process. Jesus did on the cross. Yes. It is finished. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... Jonathan, let's let's begin the, the wrap-up on this program by going to one final example uh, where we can easily trace all of the steps of a good decision. Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 34. A lot of reading here, but we're going to break it into, into pieces and look at it. Each step uh, shows itself in terms of making good decisions.
3: It happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us who was bringing our master much profit by fortune-telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, "These men are bond servants of the Most High God, who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation." Okay, so Paul, he's out there witnessing to the gospel, and here is
2: this 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 uh, demon possessed individual actually speaking truth. She was she was speaking truth. It was being spoken by a dark source. Yes, And that was the problem that the Apostle saw, because therefore you lose the credibility of what the truth is, because you're hearing it from a, from the wrong place. So he hears. He hears what's happening in, in in this circumstance. He's paying attention. What happens?
3: She continued doing this for many days. See, many days. Did he react immediately? No. He was slow to speak. But Paul was greatly annoyed, and turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, And it came out at that very moment. But when her master saw that their prophet, hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, These men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews, and are proclaiming customs which are not lawful for us to accept or to be observed, being Romans. So... The apostle was slow to speak.
2: He gave the experience time. He's figuring, okay, maybe it'll go away. Maybe it'll just, it'll, it'll, it'll fizzle. They'll get tired of it. I just, it shouldn't be happening, but I'm willing to give it space. Finally, it's enough because, again, it's, it's it's truth coming out of a dark place. And you don't want that. No, you don't. So, he casts the demon out of her. Now, he does this woman a favor. yes dramatic favor interesting there's no faith on her part but he does her a favor and her owners get all over paul for doing this because now they're going to lose money that's right because they've been taking advantage unfair advantage of this of this poor woman so you've seen the apostle here you've seen him
3: pause and then finally speak uh then what happens the crowd rose up together against them and the chief magistrate Tore the robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. when they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely and He, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks.: OK, now,
2: now just before you finish that, that reading, this is not a good situation to be in.
3: No, you don't
2: deserve to be in the situation. No OK, so this is unfair treatment. Correct. What happens in our world? When people are treated unfairly. Well, you're going to stand up and fight. Wait a minute. This and, isn't right. And you're going to be mad and yep. you're going to do things and you're going to react. And things tend to get out of but hand. But Paul and Silas didn't. What did they do?
3: They sang hymns. <laughs> they rejoiced in the Lord's overruling.
2: So so, so just, just
3: read, read uh, verse 25 there. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God and the prisoners were listening to them. So... About midnight,
2: they're not angry, they're not complaining, they're not belittling those who who mistreated them, they're not casting insults, they're not... uh,
3: They're being persecuted for righteousness' sake.
2: And they are singing
3: praise to God.
2: And the scripture is very specific about that, and it says, and the prisoners were listening. What a witness. They weren't saying, oh, shut up. They were listening, because there was something different About these guys. So they did not give in to anger. And remember the third step is slow to anger. Mm -hmm. They had every right to demand their rights. But they didn't. But they didn't. They were slow to anger because anger was not appropriate in this particular circumstance. So instead of being angry and instead of fault finding, they praised. Now what happens?
3: And suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. So the other interesting thing is that this great earthquake happens,
2: and you think everybody's going to run out, but they don't. They don't take advantage of that opportunity, and Paul is concerned for the jailer.
3: Because he would have been killed if they escaped.
2: Right. So he was just going to kill himself and and just say, you know, do it his on his own terms, basically. Right. So, so again, Paul and Silas put away filthiness. They don't use the opportunity for personal gain. They don't try to get away. They're going to go through the experience. Wow. They're going to deal with the experience. What wisdom there is! There's great wisdom, and there's great strength, and there's great courage. Yes. Because they are already in tune with the will of God, and didn't allow their circumstances to dictate.
3: No emotion. Changing their sway.
2: Circumstances did not dictate yep. how they were going to act.
3: Mm, amazing.
2: And so now what happens?
3: And he called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household.
2: Okay. Uh, and uh, Actually, and, and read the next verse as well.
3: And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were... Be- in the house
2: okay so that is step number five that's receiving the word implanted they had received it and they expressed it to others they put it in play they put it in process and so you can see that you've got all six or or so far all five five out of the six Mm -hmm. right in a row in this experience yes it shows their decision making was solid it was sound it was on a foundation that was strong and it brought nothing but good even though it came through a very difficult
3: uh trial and the purpose was the lord wanted to call this jailer to follow christ
2: yes and his family and the apostle recognizes this wow. and takes advantage now he's still a prisoner <laughs> yes he is <laughs> but he recognizes he still this. hurts from the beating yes And he takes advantage of that because it's a it's goodness for the sake of the gospel. And now verses
3: 33 and 34. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds. And immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. And he brought them into the house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. Paul and Silas, and that's point number six. Paul and Silas proved that they were
2: doers of the word. So this one example shows how each of these these principles of good decision-making came into play. And it's not one of those things where it was like an easy, easy go of it. Oh, no. The decisions were all difficult. They were all hard. But there was a a decision and then a standing by the decision and owning of the decision. And by owning it, you're able to to build upon what you've decided to own. And again, folks, for most of us... When we make a decision and we're really not sure, we don't take full ownership. And when we don't, Jonathan, it ends up being disaster. It does. And what kind of Christian thinking is it where we are half-hearted in our steps forward? See, that's not the way it ought to be. No. As a Christian, folks, we ought to be amongst the most decisive people ever because we have a sure foundation of the the scriptures we have a sure foundation of the of the words of Jesus we have a sure foundation of the actions and words of the apostles and we can take those clear out the clutter clear out the noise listen to those things pause and consider then speak then act putting aside anger putting aside the filthiness of the flesh embracing the word of god and proving by our decision and our following through after our decision that we are truly followers of Christ. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. We hope you've enjoyed being with us today. So much to it in terms of making decisions. Hopefully we can all make better decisions now that we see these principles. Next week, another subject. Many, many, many things to come. So until next week, for Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, making a decision. Think about it.